morning. Oh, thank you so much. You're very kind. Well, you, you can keep going. That's all right. Oh, well. fabulous. Isn't it great to be in the house of God this morning? I love the house of God. How good is it that you've got the live connection overseas to Taiwan? That was great. I don't know how he managed to like pitch his voice like that and move his lips at different times. That was unreal. That's a gift. My goodness. Well, uh, it's good to be here in the house. Let's, let's, I just want to do this really quickly. Why don't you just close your eyes? I want to pray quickly before I start. Jesus, right now, I thank you. Lift your hands to heaven, church. Maybe you're here for the first time. You don't know why we lift our hands. We lift our hands because our hands lifted are a sign of surrender to God. There might be things in your life. Maybe you need to surrender to God this morning. Your dreams, maybe your hopes, your desires, maybe problems in your world. And as you lift your hands, understand that's what it's all about. We surrender it to God. So Jesus, this morning, God, I thank you for your presence, God. I thank you that you are an awesome God and nothing is impossible with you, God. God, that you went to the cross, God, and you took on yourself sicknesses God you took on God the pains of our world God so that we could have a future a hope God and we thank you God right now that this morning God that you would touch every single life in this place God that the power of God would show up God and that your word would speak to every heart God right now make a decision church that you are going to open your heart to the word of God this morning because I tell you the word of God is powerful God right now we thank you Jesus we love you with all our heart bless this amazing beautiful church in your precious name amen Let's give God some praise. Awesome. That's great, huh? Well, it is just so good to be here in, in uh, lovely, sunny, warm. It's very good. Bay City. Yeah, I was going to say that, but thanks for the help. Um, no, no, I, I, I really love this place. It's awesome. You guys are just such a great church. The praise and worship was going off. Let's just give the band a round of applause. How, all the band doing a great job and... Uh, and, uh, and all the guys are still doing a great job here. It was just brilliant. Last night, church, you should be so proud of your youth ministry because last night was just world class. It was awesome. They did such a great job. And people came in. It was like, it was just like, a, it was just people pouring into this place. And, and we just had such an amazing time. Really, it's about changing the perception of the church, right? I really believe that we are, and it's our job as the church to change the perception of what the, the world sees the church and sees God as. And, and the problem is, is that people come and they say that God is boring. And, and, and the issue I have with that is that because people can't see God, the only way they can see God is through us. So when they say that God is boring, pretty much what they're saying is that church of God is boring. Now, when I look around this church, I don't see boring people. I see relevant people. I see great people. I see people with, with, uh, with amazing cutting edge on their life. And, and, and that breaks my heart to hear people, you know, riding off the church and say, oh, man, the church is boring and the church is lifeless. The church is not relevant. But last night, man, the church was relevant. The church was unreal. We had bands. We had a band called Mum's Dollar playing last night. And uh, I tell you, we need to get that. We need a copy of one of those CDs for all the members of the church. And uh, especially if you're, if you're celebrating your 60th wedding anniversary, that's going to be a present we're going to give to you, the Mum's Dollar CD. But uh, it was just a great, great, great night. So it's, it's such a pleasure to be here. My name is James Murray, as they said. And uh, hello, yeah, hi. And, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm actually the youth pastor back at um, Christian City Church, Oxford Falls, with Pastor Phil Pringle. And uh, it's just a great honor to serve. And it's just such a great honor to be here this morning as well. I love being able to come and, uh, and be a part of what, what churches are doing around Australia and around New Zealand and so on and so forth. So it's an awesome privilege. And uh, I tell you what, the, the pulpit came up here this morning. The guy that carried the pulpit up, who was that? Man, what is your name? Richard. 
I tell you, you see the strength in that man when he was carrying that pulpit up? That was quite impressive. Why don't you stand up for a sec, Richard? I, I really, I saw it. I'm like, this guy is like, hold on a sec. This guy's a dead ringer for Sean Connery. Look at him. Huh? Monopenny. <laughs> okay, I, I thought, mate, you're very, you, you are a very, um, you're a handsome man. I can say that. You're, you're great. You get the muscles. And you, how old are you? Do, you? do you mind me asking? No, you're not. You know you can't lie. You're a Christian. All right. 63. Far out. 63 carrying the pulpit up. <laughs> Dave, he's got a bit on you, mate. I tell you what, I saw the... <laughs> well, that is great. Good on you, mate. Thanks for bringing that up. And, uh, and uh, I tell you, we are just going to have such a great time this morning. And I'm really keen just to, uh, to share the word of God. And I really want to stir your hearts this morning because God has put something on my heart. And, uh, and there's something happening back home in Sydney. There's something happening back home in our youth ministry. And, uh, and I don't believe it's restricted to youth. I believe it's going it, it's, it's to happen in youth and it's going to happen throughout the whole generation of the church. And so what I've got to share this morning is, a, uh, is I believe, a, a fantastic word. And the title of my message this morning is, I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it. Everybody, turn the person next to you to slap the person next to you and say, I'm bringing it. Don't slap them too hard. Now, I believe that we are moving into a time where God is calling the church to rise up. Amen. And that we are supposed to be a, a, a light in this world and that we are supposed to be a place. And, and like the Bible says, we are a city on a hill and a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And that we are supposed to be the people who in, the, in life, in society and everything we do are supposed to be setting the example for the world to see. And so everything we do, should be, we do, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, do whatever you do in word or deed, do it to give glory to God. And so we are, as the church, I believe this church in this city is destined for great things. I believe that you are about to move into a great time. I believe that God is going to do something amazing and this auditorium is just not big enough. I believe that this is a great size auditorium, maybe just for the leaders meeting and I'm sorry to say, but this will be good for the leaders meeting, but you've got to get another place. Is there some type of stadium nearby? Is it, what's that called? Nelson, Nelson Park. Okay. So Nelson Park sounds good. We might change it. Bay City Park sounds pretty good, huh? And, uh, and, and I believe that God is wanting to do something. Understand, it is not God's purpose to see the church just remain in a maintenance state. God wants us to move forward. God wants us to take ground. God has given you dominion in this place. God has given you the territory to take. And he's wanting the church to rise up in this time and take what God has given it. See, the Bible says that the devil has been defeated. Amen. The problem is he's just uncontested. And we need to stand up. And we need to take already what God has given into our hands. I believe our high schools are ours. I believe the high schools in, the lo- in this local suburbs and regions are ours. I believe the university is ours. I believe your workplaces. God has put you there for a reason. Every single person in this place, God has put you somewhere, wherever it may be, for a purpose. Nobody here, your destiny, I'm sorry, but let me tell you this this morning, your destiny is not to be a person who sits in a seat every Sunday morning. Wow, how good would that destiny be? No way. I tell you that your destiny is more than just to sit in a seat. Oh, but I really feel God's just calling me just to be part of a church. I believe he's just calling me just to sit here and every week I'll give my tithe and, you know, that's good. And then I'll go away and you know, occasionally I'll pray and then I'll come back and then I'll give my tithe again and I'll sit. No, no, no. God has a purpose for your life. It doesn't matter what you're about. It doesn't matter your gifts, your talents, your abilities. This is what I have to say to you this morning, church. It's time that the church stops being so self-conscious and starts being more God-conscious. Start realizing what God can do through you and not worrying about what your own insecurities and doubts and disbeliefs are telling you. Amen. So we're just warming up. Here we go. So this morning, I'm bringing it as the title of my message. And, uh, and so I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. How many people love the Word of God? 
The Word of God is great. Can I tell you something, church? The Word of God is powerful. The Bible says that in the beginning, that in the beginning, God spoke and things became. So understand that the first purpose of, of, uh, of speech was not actually for communication, but for creation. Because God wasn't talking to anybody because nobody else was there. So in the beginning, God spoke, and so our words initially are not made for communication, but for creation. That's why we have to be careful what we speak into our worlds. Because your word, your, 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 your lips and your mouth and what you speak actually has power. And, then James, and James talks about it. He says in the Bible that you've got to be careful what you say. You've got to be careful because your, your tongue is a powerful thing. It's the power of life or death. Is that right? And so when you speak the word of God over your life, understand what the Bible says you are. You speak it over your life and you will become. If you start to speak the word of God over your life every day, understand God will start transforming your world. And if you start to come into this church, I tell you, you've got to open your heart to the word of God because the word of God is a powerful thing. Every Sunday when the word of God's being spoken, it has the power to transform things in your world. It has a creative force to change things in your world. So every time it is spoken, that's why we get excited about the word of God. That's why we get excited because the word of God is a powerful thing. And when it's spoken out, it has the power to transform things in your world, maybe even into, to, the Bible talks about in Jeremiah that how we are the clay on the potter's wheel. I believe in the same way we are like the clay on the potter's wheel in this, ha- in this house this morning. And when God's word is spoken, it's like get God's hands um, kind of falling onto your life and he started to shape and mold you into something amazing, something powerful. But you've got to center yourself in God's wheel. Center your, yourself. The Bible says that for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, Right? So you've got to center yourself in Jesus. You've got to listen to the word of God. So this morning, I'm excited to preach the word. So Matthew 5 verse 14 says this. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. Powerful. Straight away, isn't that awesome? Oh, I'm telling you, you, you've got to, you wait till you get this. I'm going to give you four steps this morning. Four steps on how we're going to be the light in this city. Four steps on how we're going to be the light in this city. Now, you might have heard this passage before, and I, probably, I guarantee you've probably heard it a thousand times before, but this morning, I'm going to show you something a little different. I'm going to show you something that I really believe that God is wanting to speak to this church this morning. So here we go. The first step on how to be the light in this city. The Bible says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. Number one, if we're going to reach this city, we need to, make, we need to spend more time in the light. Now, what am I talking about? When I talk about spending more time in the light, I'm talking about prayer. Prayer is the engine room of the church. Prayer is something that you need to establish. If you don't have a prayer life, uh, friend, you need to establish a prayer life in your world today because prayer is a powerful thing. But let me tell you something. Prayer is not easy. How many people find prayer hard? I, I find prayer really hard sometimes. It's not an easy thing to establish. How many people find it hard to get up in the morning and try to get up just to spend a little bit of time in prayer with God? Let's be honest. Come on now. People be like, oh, I can't do it. I tell you, it's a hard thing. I find it, you know, especially when, it's, especially when I mean to get up to pray, it's even harder. Like when I have to get up, I feel like my, my sheets are like 200 kilos each and I'm like just trying to, oh, God, I'm like, God I can't do it. The sheets are too heavy. And I'm like trying to throw. But I tell you, it's an amazing thing when you get up. I really believe that prayer is like exercise. I I think that prayer is like, you know, I've started to, um, I've started going to the gym. And uh, in case you didn't notice. No, no, just joking. 
It's all glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, but I've started to go to the gym and I love going to the gym. I, I find it really relaxing. And, and obviously, um, I can tell that Richard loves going to the gym too. Um, but, you know, I, I, going to the gym is a really relaxing thing for me. So I, I go to the gym and, and I've been working out with um, one of the pastors at our church this day, Pastor Greg French. And uh, I don't know if you've heard him, but he's an amazing man of God, runs our men's ministry back home. And, uh, and we go to the gym together. Now, this guy is huge. Like, just think about, um, think about maybe Dave and Dave's size. Actually, you're quite big, aren't you? You're a big man. Solid man. Your wife must be very happy. Now, now, now he, he's a quite a solid guy, very muscular guy, and, uh, and he's just all, all muscles, just ball of muscle. And he goes, hey, you know, James, why don't you, come, why don't you come to the gym with me and we'll do a set together? I'm like, yeah, yeah, no worries, let's do it. And so we go, the first time I go with him, we do a leg set. So we start working out. Honestly, guys, as much as you might be fooled, my legs are actually quite skinny and quite weak and, and useless. Um, lucky legs, I call them. Lucky they can hold me up. And, uh, and I tell you, the, I, I go to the gym. We, we start to do this leg set. I start pressing. You, know, like you hop on, your, uh, uh, you, you lay on the seat, and you start pushing weights up in the air. And he's got like 200 kilos on this weight. And I'm starting to push. At one point, my legs give way, and I get crushed up against the chair, um, which is not a good thing. And, and, then so, and we kept doing it. We did this leg set for like over an hour. And, uh, and after doing this leg set, I, I, I said, oh, Greg, I've had enough. And I could hardly even walk. I'm walking out of the gym, and I'm, I can't even feel, feel my legs. And, uh, and I walk and I go home and, and um, my wife, Alana, I decide that, I'm, oh, actually, by the way, I'm, I'm married. And I thought, well, my wife, Alana's back home. I just thought I'd tell you that I love my wife. She's so amazing. And uh, in case you didn't know, you guys might be sitting there thinking, um, okay, who's this 16-year-old kid? Um, actually, I'm 24. And that's halfway to 48. So <laughs> I'm older than you think. And I've been married now for four years. Four years. So I, re- I figure I'm, I'm almost ready to write a book on marriage because um, that's a pretty good effort. You know, f- some people don't even get, you know, in some countries, marriage is a, is a, is a punishment for shoplifting. And um, so, no, no, four years I've been married and it's, uh, it's been awesome. But anyway, I, uh, I'm sorry. I can't help myself. But anyway, and I'm at the gym, and so I go home, and my wife Alana's there, and I, and I walk in the door, and we're like, yeah, let's go out to dinner, so I decide I'm going to take her out for dinner. Take her out, and, you know, to her a nice time, because she's my, my princess, my jewel, and my crown, my th- rose. <laughs> I'm quite good, aren't I? I am. Very poetic. Anyway, so I, I, I take her out to dinner, and, and we go to this place in D.Y. near where we live, and, uh, and, and there's, this, there's this main road, and you know when you're, uh, you know, kids, don't run across the main road, all right, never do that. But for me, because I'm a little bit older, and uh, you, you can do that. Now, I, I had this main road and across, and, and we just started to, you know, there's a car coming just down the way, and you know when you see the car coming, but you know you've got plenty of time to make it across the road, right? So in my mind, I'm like, I've got plenty of time, so Alana runs across the road. I start to run, and my brain is already over the other side of the road, but my legs are in the middle of the road. And so I'm running across the road like this, and these cars come in, they beep, 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 and they're beeping at me. I'm like, I'm trying to run, and my brain's just going crazy. My legs just won't take me there. It was painful. It was a painful, painful experience. The next day, I go to the gym, and he says, it's time to do a bicep time. So I start working on my guns, all right? These are your guns, people, if you didn't know that. So when you see someone, and they're giving you trouble, you say, you just bought yourself two tickets to the gun show, okay? That's what you do, all right? That's right. You say, hey, there's, you know, want to get the weather report? There's a storm of brewing, there's thunder and lightning. Okay, here we go. Okay, no, no, no. <laughs> Just play. That was before I got saved. <clears throat> anyway, 
And I go to, we, do, we go to do a bicep set. And, and as I'm starting to do this, and we're doing these massive weights and we're doing it. And he, he figures because he's older than me, he goes, well, James, because you're younger, you should be able to lift more. I don't quite get that theory, but anyway, here's my pass I have to submit. So I just started to, started to do these weights and these weights and weights. I, I, I get home, and, and I'll be honest with you, I was looking pretty good. I, I'm, I'm looking actually rather swollen. The veins are popping out. I walk in, and I have my single top on. I walk in, and my wife looks at me. Oh, look at you. I thought, I'm, I think it's time. I think I should romance my wife. So I walk in, and she's like, very nice. Look at you. I thought, oh, babe, well, I'm going to go have a shower. Because so I'm, I'm all sweaty from the gym. I go to the shower. I go and I get the shampoo to wash my hair. I put it in my hand. Suddenly I realize I can't lift my arms. And so I'm trying to get the shampoo. And I'm trying to get it up. And the only thing I could realize to do it. Put the shampoo in my hair. But I tell, you, I tell you guys, just like exercise, just like trying to establish an exercise a, a, a lifestyle is the same way you establish a prayer lifestyle. See, because sometimes in exercise you go to the gym and sometimes it hurts. Just like prayer and sometimes it hurts to get up in the morning. It hurts to establish that time of prayer. And, it's, and, the, and, the, and the thing sometimes in our mind is that we don't see the results straight away. And so it puts us off and so it, it discourages sometimes because sometimes we don't, you know, God, I found that God takes a long time to do something quickly. And so we, we often pray and we pray and we pray and so we get discouraged because we don't have, you know, the instant results. But I tell you, just like gym, just like exercise, you've got to keep on going at it. You've got to keep on working at it. You've got to keep on establishing a prayer lifestyle. Prayer is the thing that will shape your world. There's nothing that you are facing right now that is, big, that is too big for our God. And so when you start to pray, what you do is you unleash God into your situation. When you start to unleash God in your situation, you find He starts to do things. This is what's happening at our church. In our youth ministry at the moment, we're having miracle after miracle after miracle. We had a young girl, because we are, we are encouraging all our young people to pray. In some schools, we actually have over 60 young people who will meet every morning to pray before school starts for their school. We have, in, in some schools, we had a, we had a, a girls' school called McKellar Girls. And uh, in that school... Five girls started, decided they were going to start a prayer meeting in their school, and, uh, and, fi- they, started, and they started in the lunchtime, five, five girls praying together. By the end of that lunchtime, because something happened in that classroom, by the end of that lunchtime, they had 60 people in that lunchtime praying together. 60 people, some of them not even Christian, some of them not even saved, but they found themselves drawn and they found themselves crying out to God for their high school. You see, God is doing something powerful. We had a young girl, yeah, come on, give God praise, that's great. We had a young girl in, our, in, in, in one of the girls who comes along to our youth ministry. She's about 15, 16 years old. And she decides that she's going to come home. She comes from an unsaved family. Her parents are not saved. Her family is not saved. She comes home and she sits down at the dinner table one night and overhears her father talking to her mother saying, you know what, business is really tough right now. Things aren't going very well, and, and, and you know, I don't know what we're going to do, but it's getting really, really stressful. And you know, I don't know how, how long this is going to last. And so she decides, she overhears her father, she decides, I'm going to start praying for my dad's business. Unsafe family. She starts, she goes into her bedroom straight away, she starts praying for her dad's business. She prays every single day, every single day for her dad's business. A week later, he walks into the kitchen, he walks in to sit down to the, at the family table for dinner again afterward. He sits down, he looks exhausted. <sighs> sits down. He goes, honey, you wouldn't believe it. Work has just picked up so much. 
I am just absolutely exhausted because work has just been so busy. The young girl turns to her father, unsafe family, she turns to her father and says, you know why your business is going so well? She says, he says, why is that? She says, well, it's because I've been praying for your business every single day. He turns to her. Here we go. It's not even over yet. She, she, he, he, she, uh, he turns to her, sorry, and looks at her and says, oh, okay, well, great. You know, thanks. Thanks, thanks. I appreciate it. And just shrugs it off as if it was nothing. She goes back. She decides she's going to keep on praying for her dad's business. It's not over yet. And she, she keeps on praying. Every single day she's praying for her dad's business. Praying, 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 praying. Another week later, he walks in. He looks absolutely wrecked. He sits down at the dinner table. He turns to his daughter and says, are you still praying for my business? He, she said, yeah, I am still praying for your business. He says, you know what? Turns to the rest of the family and says, we are all going to church this Sunday. Isn't that awesome? The power of God. Understand, church, we got to pray. we got to start praying. Start praying all the time. Pastor Phil has called our church. We are praying. We have prayer meetings now from 6.30 to 7.30. The whole church, 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. every morning. We're praying together in our prayer chapel in our church. And we're praying all the time. Why? Because prayer unleashes the power of God onto our city. Then prayer unleashes the power of God onto situations and circumstances. God is powerful. And prayer is something so easily we, we, we underestimate. But you've got to pray. I know that I know prayer is hard, people. I know it's hard to do, but establish that discipline in your life. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, isn't it amazing that the word disciple is made up of the word discipline? Because you have to develop disciplines in your life if you truly, really want to follow Jesus Christ. And prayer is one of the most powerful disciplines. Another miracle that uh, another miracle has happened in our in our uh, in our youth ministry. We actually had another girl who uh, she started. She'd been praying for her mum. She comes from an unsafe family. Never think, young people, that, you know, if you come from an unsafe family, that's just, oh, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. Or if you come, anyone, you've got unsafe families. It doesn't matter. It's not, it's not too big for God. Never restrict God to that. And so she starts praying for her mother. And she's been praying for her mother for some time. Her mother invites one of her good friends over. And they're sitting down in the living room and they're talking away. And as they're talking away, uh, you know, the, the friend starts saying, oh, you know, look, it's... Um, it's, uh, it, 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 uh, let's start talking about God and start talking about church. And her friend starts just ripping into the church. Oh, I can't believe she goes up to, your daughter goes up to that church. I can't believe, oh, you know, God, blah, 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 you know, all the stuff that you hear. And she starts going on and on and on. The mother turns to the friend. She said, look, I don't want you to say anymore. This is an unsaved mother. She said, I don't want you to say anymore. I've seen the change in my daughter's life from her going up to that church. I really don't appreciate you, you bad-mouthing that church. The friend keeps on going. The friend keeps on, oh, well, yeah, blah, 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 you know, like keeps on going. And, and, and the mother says, look, if you don't stop, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. She keeps going. You know, keeps going. She says, okay, look, you have to leave now. She, she actually escorts her friend out of the house. I'm not saying that you should do that. I'm not... But she, after doing that, she calls her daughter, this girl who comes to our youth ministry again, calls her into the living room. Says, Katie, would you please come in here? She doesn't know what's happened. She calls her and she says, have you, still, have you got one of those worship CDs you always listen to? Katie says, yeah, yeah, I've got one. She says, well, I want you to put it on. She puts it on. Mother and daughter stand worshiping together in the middle of the living room together. She turns to the rest of the family and says, this Sunday night, we're going to go to church together. Isn't that awesome? That's what God is doing, man. God is... But it's through prayer. 
It's through prayer that God is doing powerful things. So you need to establish prayer. I tell you what, I don't know when you were, if you remember this when you were a little kid or if you still got them now. Does anyone remember those glow-in-the-dark stickers? Oh, only this side of the crowd. Yes. <laughs> no, glow-in-the-dark stickers. Okay. What you do with these glow-in-the-dark stickers, I, I believe this is so much like our Christian life, but you put them underneath the lamp. That's the idea is that you put them underneath the light and then when you take them away, the longer you leave it in the light, the more it's going to glow in the dark. I tell you this morning, church, the more you spend time in the light, the more you're going to glow in the dark. The more you're going to walk into your workplaces, into your universities, into your families, into your schools, and the more you are going to glow in the dark because you have got the presence of God. People are going to recognize there's something different about you. You spend time, Moses would spend time in God's presence. He would walk out. He wouldn't even have to say anything. And people would realize that he had been in the presence of God. Prayer. Prayer, the Bible says that those who wait upon the Lord renew their strength. If you're feeling weak, church, start to pray. I believe this church is going to be a prayer, it's going to continue to grow into being a greater and greater praying church. Because God is calling us to being a praying church. The Bible says, if my people would humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. Prayer. So, church, if we're going to win this city, the first thing we need to do is spend time in the light. The second thing we need to do to winning this city. It says this, is that neither do, you, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. It says this, and neither do people light it, a lamp and put it on a bowl. The second step to winning this city is this. Don't smother the brother. I'm serious. Don't smother the brother. Jesus is not shy. Can I tell you something? It was when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, the disciples did not have to look for him. Jesus, could you come out? Jesus, come on, come up from behind that rock, please. Come on. You've got to preach now. No, Jesus was not a shy person. But for some reason, we restrict Jesus. And we smother Jesus now. Oh, Jesus is made to be told to be... Jesus stepped into our world so that we continue to tell people in our world about Him. It's not meant to stop at you. We can't smother the guy. The Bible says that like a lamp, you put her in a bowl, you will smother that lamp. And we need to get that light out. It's like, it's like girls. You've ever been walking down the street together... And you're walking down the road and, and girls and you see this really good looking guy. And you turn to your friend and you say, you know, you know that your friend actually knows him. And you turn to your friend and you say, who is that? And you turn and you say, you've got to introduce me. Have you done that? As if you haven't. And, and, and they, you know, you've got to introduce me, girls. And they start working down the street. Well, a lot of you guys would have done it. I, I, you know, some people might have even done it to Richard. <laughs> good looking man. And... As, you know, you're walking down the street, you've got to introduce me. You know, oh, I am dying to meet him. You've got to introduce You mean, like, girls, you do that sometimes. Ever done that? You have. I grew up with four sisters. I know girls. Okay. Kind of. No, I don't. Sorry, that's a lie. I'm a Christian. I can't do that. But understand, in the same way, it's like we have, Jesus is like that friend that's walking alongside of us. And when we have people in our world, I really believe it's like Jesus tugging on our shirt. He's saying, would you please introduce me to that person? I'm dying to introduce you. Can I tell you something? If Jesus doesn't turn to you and say, I'm dying to meet that person, he says this, he says, I died to meet that person. Would you please introduce me? Would you introduce me to that friend of yours? Would you introduce God is waiting to be introduced. He's not shy. We don't need to smother God. We need to get God out and start telling him about him. We need to start witnessing to people about Jesus Christ. Witnessing is not trying to go up to people and smashing them with the Bible. If you don't change your life, you're going to burn in hell. No, it's not about that at all. Witnessing is what? If you witness something, what does that mean? That you've seen something and you tell people an account of what you've seen, right? 
So in the same way, what has Jesus done in your life? That's what you tell people. That's witnessing. Jesus has done this for me, not this is what Jesus needs to do in you. No, it's this is what Jesus can do. This is what Jesus has done. That's what it's all about. So we need to start telling people about Jesus. If we want to win this city, it's time we start getting a bit unashamed for Jesus Christ. Unashamed for Jesus Christ. The third step is this. It says in verse 14, it says, if you're going to light a lamp, you don't put it under a bowl. It says this, instead, don't you put it on its stand because it gives light to everyone in the house. Number three, the third step to to bringing the light into this city, to changing this city, is make a stand so that you can put him on it. Make a stand so that you can put him on it. Let me tell you something. There's an old saying, friends, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. You need to make a stand in the city. There's some things that we need to make a stand for. I tell you, the, the churches have been built on a stand. I'm pretty sure that this church would have been built on a stand by somebody making a stand in the city. There's even times now where you're going to have to make a stand because you're quite a big church and people don't often like big churches for whatever reason. It breaks my... I was in Europe recently. I was on holiday skiing around there and, and just having a great time, me and my wife. And, uh, and when I was there, I went on this church tour. And this church tour, so many beautiful churches. Has anyone ever been to Europe and done like church tours and gone around all these beautiful places? And as I've, as I've gone to these church tours and I look around and I'm like, I started, to, to, I started to think, and this is just in January as I'm looking at these churches, I'm like, I wonder if the people who built these churches actually ever thought, well, I hope this is standing here in 500 years. I wonder if they actually ever thought that. Or I wonder if they were thinking, this will do for now, but we'll have to build it bigger. Because in 500 years, this place will be holding 20,000 people. I wonder if deep down inside, that was the way. It wasn't meant to be, you know, this, this kind of, you know, it's great to admire the architect and the architecture and all this great stuff. But I tell you, God wants to expand the house of God. God wants to see this place filled. God wants to see this place packed out with thousands of people every single Sunday morning, Sunday night, Friday night. God wants to see this place packed from front to back because it's the purpose of God that all shall be saved. That we should make disciples of all the nations. But we need to make a stand. This you know, church has been built on a stand. I don't know if you know about, I'm pretty sure you would know about it, but about, uh, Yongi, about Yongi Cho's church in Seoul, Korea. Has anyone heard about Yongi Cho's church? A million people in his church. My goodness. I love this guy. He builds, the foundation of his church is built on prayer. Prayer. They pray all the time. They pray. If you want to be on staff at Yongi Cho's church, you have to pray at least three hours a day. If you don't pray three hours a day, you're not coming on staff. Because he knows the power of prayer. He knows what it does for people's lives. But I tell you, you you've got to understand that the, the foundation, what, how did Yongi Cho's church start? Who were the founding members of his church? Something happened during the Korean War. And you may have heard this story before, but during the Korean War, there was a young pastor, his wife and his two children. And they were in a, in a village in Korea. And this is during the whole time when the Korean War was on and there was communist soldiers and all that stuff was going on. And they went into this village and they started to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to this village. And as they're preaching, people are getting saved and their church is growing and, and they were starting to do a great work. One specific day, these, the, the Korean soldiers came in, the communist soldiers came in. And because, again, the, the Karl Marx, he didn't believe you know, the whole thing of communism. It's not about God at all. It's all about you know, humanism and secularism. It's all these, it's a, they, you know, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ was against the law in their mind. And so they came into this village, the soldiers, these communist soldiers... They brought the, the, the young pastor, his wife, and his two kids out into the middle of the village. And they called all the village people out, and he made them dig a hole. He made the people of the village start to dig a hole, and he threw the pastors into the hole. The, the, the young pastor, his wife, and his two kids. 
And he pointed the gun to him. He says, I want you, the communist soldiers, pointed the gun to this young pastor and says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to denounce Jesus Christ in front of all these people. And I want you to tell them that everything, every single thing that you've said, every message that you preach has been false. It's all been a lie and that you made it up. I want you to tell them all. And as they pointed the gun, suddenly the children started to cry. His two young children started to cry. And as they started to cry, the father looked at his children. His heart started to break. And he, he started to open his mouth. And his mind is like, oh, I need to save my children. And he started to open his mouth to, to let out those words. Suddenly his wife grabbed him and said, honey, no. Don't do it, honey. She turns to the father and the kids and says, tonight we'll be having supper with Jesus Christ. Because they didn't renounce Jesus Christ, because they didn't denounce Jesus Christ, what happened is they started to fill in the hole. They ordered the people of the village to start to fill in that hole. The family started singing, started singing a hymn, and they were singing together, a beautiful worship song. They started to fill in this, this hole, and eventually the singing got less and less and less and less, and the family was dead. The soldiers turned to every single person in that village, the members of the church and the other people of the village and said, this is what happens to people that serve their Jesus. All the people in the village got down on their knees and started to cry out to God and said, if that's the extreme that they would go to, if they believe that much that they would give their lives for this Jesus Christ, then I want this Jesus Christ in my life. And every single one of them got on their knees and gave them their lives to Jesus Christ that day. And all the soldiers realized that they couldn't bury the whole village, so they ran away. And I tell you, that village, those people in that village, let me tell you something, if you don't know this, a lot of those people in that village, they're the founding members of Yonge Church today. Because it's built on people who made a stand. And you need to make a stand in this city. Young people, you need to make a stand for purity. Never compromise that. Purity is a beautiful thing. I tell you, your virginity is not a disease that you have to get rid of. It's purity. Make a stand for purity. Businessmen, make a stand for integrity. Make a stand for righteousness, church. We need to make stands in this city so that we can be the light to this city. We need to make a stand so that we can put him on it. So we can put Jesus Christ on it. So that we can say, Jesus, this is, what it, this is how it's supposed to be lived. This is, what, this is what Jesus is all about. And we live that example for people. So num- number three was this. And we need to make a stand so that we can put him on it. But I'll tell you something, church. It's not that we make a stand so that we can judge people from that point of view. We're not here to judge people. So many people in, the, in society today believe that the church is there and we, we get all holy and righteous. But we're there just to judge people. We're not there to judge people. You put a lamp on its stand, not just so people can see the light, but so the light can show the way. Not so people can just look at you and go, oh, look at them all holy and right. No, no, no. It's so that light can shine a path so they can see exactly where they need to go. We need to be the light. We need to make a stand in this city. Verse 16, it says this in my last point. It says this, that in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I love this. The, fir- the fourth point, if we want to bring God in this city, we want, to let, we want to shine a light in this city, the fourth point is this. Don't just tell people where to go. Show them. I believe that for too long, the church has been all bark and no bite. We don't back up our talk with our walk. And we need to be people that do that. I don't know if you've, you've heard this story, but there was a pastor who is um, over, he, he traveled over to San Diego to do a conference. And he was in San Diego, he was doing this massive conference and he's preaching. 
He's preaching about how we need to live an integrous life and all these things like I'm preaching now. He's preaching how we need to make it a stand and we need to shine the light for people and set the example and have integrity and honesty in our worlds. And he started to preach this amazing message. <clears throat> Heaps of people got saved. It was fantastic. Now, the next day he had off. Amen. For all the pastors in the house. And as he, as he had the day off, he said, oh, well, I'm going to go downtown. I'm going to go shopping. I'm in San Diego. How many people love shopping? I'm sorry. Oh, oh boo. Oh. <laughs> I tell you, I'm sorry, but I actually love shopping. But, but I love football as well. I love tackling people. Yeah, that's right. And I love shopping. <laughs> but I love shopping. I love it. It's fantastic. I've got a problem, actually. Yeah. I'm, I've got a problem with shopping. I shop all the time. But anyway, this guy decides that he's going to go town. He's, he's going to go downtown. He's going to go shopping. And as he, uh, he goes down, he goes and buys some great stuff. There's bargains on. Fantastic. Three shoes for... Not three shoes. <laughs> Why would you want three shoes? <laughs> anyway, just in case you lose one. That's right. You know, shoes and all this other stuff. And he hops on the tram he hops on the tram in san diego on the on the tram to actually go back to where he needed to go back to where he was staying and uh <clears throat> as he hops on he pulls some money out of his pocket and it was about you know it was a, it was you know like ten dollars or something that's all he had on him and the change for the bus was about you know about four dollars or whatever it was to get the ride and so he puts the money into the bus driver's hand and the bus driver just reaches in grabs some coins and puts it back in his hand grabs his ticket the guy starts to walk up to the back of the bus and as he looks in his hand he starts to count all his coins and he realized that the bus driver had given him ten dollars back so he pretty much got the ride for free and he's looking in his hand how many people have ever had that before and you're like you, you go to like a shop somewhere and they give you too much change back and you just think it's god blessing you <laughs> me neither me neither but anyway he, he looks down in his hand and he starts counting he's like there's ten dollars here one two three four five and he's like oh the duffer he's giving me too much change back is anyone do you use that word over here, you duffer? No. Duffer. It just means silly. My mum used to say it to me all the time. I'd rather not talk about it. Anyway. And he starts to count the ten. And he looks, he's like, the duffer's given me too much change back. And so he, he, he's thinking to himself, he's thinking that exact same thing. Maybe it's just God blessing me. Maybe God's just saying, you've just done such a great work. And, you know, I mean, it's just like, I want to bless you. Here's a free bus ride. And he's like, yeah, that sounds pretty. So in his head, you know, you justify those things in your head, right? You go, well, God's blessing. Fill my cup to overflowing. Maybe, well, you know, my pockets. And, and like, he starts counting. And so, so he thinks, oh, well, you know, maybe I should do the right thing. Maybe I need to do the right thing. So he, 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 he thinks, oh, well, you know, I, I better go down. I better tell him that he's given me too much change. And so he walks down back to the bus driver. He says, oh, look, excuse me, mate, you duffer. He says, look, you, you, you've given me too much change. It, it was $4 for the bus ride. I gave you $10 note, but you know, give me $10 back in coins. And, and I don't know where you learnt your math. But anyway, I, I, you actually have given me too much coins. So here's your money back. Here's, and I, I'll, you know, I'll keep my $4, but here's the $6. Oh, sorry, I'll keep my $4, but you keep your $6. How's your math? You guys are cruel. You've changed. So anyway, he gives the money back. And the bus driver looks at him. He says this. He says, yeah, I know. I know I gave you too much change. He looks at him. What? You did it on purpose? He says, yeah, yeah, no, I did it on purpose. You see, because last night I was in your meeting. 
And I heard you preaching about integrity and honesty and all these things. And I wanted to see if you were just like every other Christian that I know. Were you a person who actually backs up their, their talk with their walk? So I did it on purpose and you brought it back to me. So tonight I'm going to come to your meeting. And that night he came to that meeting and he got saved. You see, because we need to be people who don't just tell people where to go, but show people. The Bible says in First Timothy, First Timothy. I can't believe you're laughing at my speech impediment. It's just because I've got a problem with my emphasis. Emphasis, sorry. Okay. First Timothy 4 verse 12 says this. It says, and I don't believe this is just restricted to, to people who are of the teenage years. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, it says that don't let anybody look down on you because you are young or because you are a youth. I believe there's a lot of youthful people in this place this morning. Amen? I'm not just talking about youth. Because youth, there's nothing to do with the outward, it's to do with the inward. Never let the youth tell you that, older people. I mean, younger, older people. Never let anybody look down on you because of your youth, but it says, but set an example in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Send an example in these ways so that people can look at you and they can see how you live. So that you can show them how to live. That's why Paul writes, and Paul wrote this again. He was writing it to Timothy. And the same way Paul writes in, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, it says, Do as I do as I follow the example of Christ. You see, that's the theme for our youth ministry this year. Because we want people to start living it. We want people to start showing people how to live. Do as I do. I tell you, are you living that example, church? Are you living the example where you can say to people, like Paul said to the people, do as I do as I follow the example of Christ. Because I'm living the example of Jesus Christ. God wants us to do that. God wants us to show God in every aspect of our world to have integrity and to have, and have righteousness and holiness in every part of our world. But we need to be people who don't just tell people where to go, but we need to show them where to go. This morning, I believe people in this church, God is stirring your hearts up. As I come to a close, God is stirring your hearts up because He is wanting to do a mighty work in this church. I believe if anything, I really want from my message this morning, if you could, if you could grab something and walk away with something, I believe that if you could please just take a hold of that whole thing of prayer and adopt that into your lifestyle. Prayer will transform you. Well, I could have kept on going up with miracle after miracle after miracle. Honestly, I've got pages of miracles that happened in our youth ministry since we've been encouraging our young people to pray and our church has been praying. This morning, this is what I want to ask. You know, maybe, maybe you feel that you, you've been living a lifestyle that maybe, maybe it's not one that you feel is worthy enough of showing the world. Maybe you, maybe you feel that you're not, you're not worthy enough to be following Jesus Christ. As I've been preaching about how we need to be the light of this world and, and how we, you know, like a city on a hill can't be hidden. We need to show people how to live. I tell you that maybe there's people here and you don't feel that inside of you. You feel, how could I be that type of person? How could I be the person that God will use but I tell you this morning, God wants to use you. God's not looking for an ability. God is not looking for a talent, a skill. God is looking for a heart. That's all God needs is a heart. You look through the Bible, it's full of people. The people that God used, some of them were so inadequate. You could read and you could see how inadequate they were. But when God stepped in, He did so much more. God did such a powerful thing. So maybe you're here this morning and you feel that that's, maybe that's you. Maybe you feel that, man, I, I've never prayed a prayer that asked Jesus Christ in my life because I've always felt like maybe I'm not 
the right person. Maybe I don't fit in with this whole church thing. And you keep on telling yourself again and again, but God's saying it's time. God is saying, I, need, I want to use you. I've got a mighty plan for your life. I have an amazing purpose for your life, but I need, to let, I need you to let me in. I need you to let you step into my life, my life so that I can use your life to do something great. So right now, if I, I want to do this, could everyone just bow their heads and close their eyes as I finish? You're here this morning. Maybe you used to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you fell away. Maybe, maybe you used to follow God, but you found yourself... Maybe you found the world smothering you because you allowed yourself to, because you didn't make a stand. You, you found yourself compromising in life and you, you found the light that you used to have inside of you suddenly died out. You see, if you want to keep a flame going, you've got to have oxygen. In the same way, we need to let the, the breath of God breathe on our world to keep that flame burning inside of us. But sometimes through life and through circumstances, we, for whatever reason, we cut ourselves off from that, from that, 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 that oxygen that God is trying to breathe life into our world. Sometimes we cut it off and we smother the things that God is trying to do and we find ourselves walking away from God. Maybe that's you here this morning. Maybe you used to have a relationship with God, but you fell away. Maybe you have never prayed the prayer that asked Jesus Christ into your world. And I want to ask that question this morning, if that is you here this morning. At the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand with every head bowed and every eye closed so I can see that hand. I really believe there's people here this morning and you need to do this. Maybe you've been coming to this church for a couple of times, but you never truly prayed that prayer. This morning's the morning. As I said to the young people last night, all this whole thing was all ordained, predestined. This is all part of God's plan that you would sit in this church, sit in this service. Maybe you got invited by a friend and that's why you think you came. No, no, no. God wanted this to happen this morning. So if that's you here this morning, at the count of three, maybe you used to have a relationship, but you fell away with God. Or maybe you've never had a relationship. You need to ask Jesus Christ in your world at the count of three. I'm going to ask you to do it bold and strong. Here we go. At the count of three, one, be strong about this church. Don't worry about people around you. It's not about them. It's about you and Jesus Christ this morning. Two, be bold about this. This is, the, this is a prayer that we're going to pray that's going to change your world. Here we go. Here we go. Ready? Three. Quickly, right now. Stick your hand up. God bless you there. Who else is there? Quickly. God bless you over there. Quickly, who else is there? So that's me this morning, James. That's me. I, I, I want to pray that prayer. God bless you over there. Who else is there? Quickly. So that's me this morning. There's more people here. I know God is touching hearts. If you just do that, respond this morning. Respond this morning. I tell you, God has got a plan for your life. God has a purpose. He wants to use you to be a light in this world, to make a difference. Don't ever think that you're not good enough. I tell you, the Bible says that none of us are good enough. It says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all made mistakes. I'm a pastor, but I make mistakes all the time. I tell you, but the Bible says that we've been justified freely. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, His grace took care of all of that for us. So there's nothing that you could have done. There's nothing that you've done. The Bible says that there's no... There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. There's no angel, no demon, no height, no depth. There's nothing that can separate you. So right now, if that's you this morning, why don't you lift your hand? So that's me this morning, James. God bless you over there. Who else is there quickly? So that's me this morning. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray this prayer. If that's you, how do you know it's you? Because God's, he's speaking to your heart and your head and your heart are having a battle. And your head's trying to give you all these reasons why you shouldn't, why you don't need to. Oh, I was christened as a kid and, you know, I'm pretty sure. But can I ask you this question this morning? If you were to, if you were to die today, as, a, as an unpleasant thought that is, would you know for sure that you would go to heaven?
Do you have that assurance in your heart? Because you, you can't be unsure about this, friends. You need to have an assurance. Jesus gives, that, gives us that assurance. But if, you, if you're here this morning, if that's you, you don't know. Who else is there quickly? God bless you up the back there. Who else is there? Who else is there quickly? That's you this morning. That's you this morning. Who else is there? With every head bowed, every eye closed as I finish. Is there anybody else who needs to do that? Who else is there? As I finish, I've got to close. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Just, just keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a second. All those people who lifted their hands before, can you just lift them up one more time so I can see them? Up the back there, that's great. There's one, two, three. Who else is there? There was a few more. Just stick your hand up again so I can see that. There's a few more people. Awesome. If that's you four over there, that's great. Who else is there? Who else is there? Quickly. Awesome. You can put your hands down, friends. All right, guys. Well, you can look up to me again what we're going to do right now is as I finish and I apologize I've got a tiny bit over time I'm sorry about that day but I'm going to ask you to do right now all those people who lifted their hands I'm going to ask you to do a really brave thing because there was a couple of you around the auditorium and I can't come to you but I want to shake your hand I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to meet me down the front here I'm going to shake your hand this morning and I'm going to ask you to come down. So right now, let's stand to our feet. Let's clap these guys as they come. Would you come? Would you come? Don't stay in your seat. Don't stay in your seat. Make sure you come. Make sure you come to say, excuse me. Excuse me. I, I need to come down the front. Come on. Make sure you come down. Come down, man. That's great. That's fantastic. Hey, buddy. Hey, stay down here, man. Stay down here, Adam. Is it? Awesome. Hey, mate. That's great. There's somebody else over here. Why don't you come? I saw someone lift their hand. Come on. But ask your friend to come down with you. Don't come alone. If you feel uncomfortable coming down, just ask your friend to come with you. Here we go. I'll look at you, champion. Get on here, mate. Good man. Awesome, guys. These guys, we're just so proud of you. Aren't we proud of these guys, church? Isn't that great? We're going to do this right now. We're going to pray a prayer, guys. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. And this prayer is like I was saying before. God is standing at the door of your heart. He's knocking, waiting to be invited in. And what happens is you pray this prayer and God steps into your heart. God steps into your world. This is a great thing about God. He doesn't step in like a visitor. You know when you go and visit someone's house and you bring like a cake or something like that? When God comes into your life, He moves in. So He brings all His blessings with it. He brings all His promises with Him when He comes in. He makes home in your heart. So right now, we're going to pray this prayer. Let's pray together, church. Let's pray it out loud together. I want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. Say this after me. Say, Dear Jesus. Say it like you mean it. Say, Dear Jesus. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I realize that you died on the cross for my sins that you've taken away all the things that I've done wrong I know that in your eyes I am perfect Jesus help me to follow you today I make a decision to walk with you all the rest of my days I acknowledge that you are my father and I am your child. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Let's clap these guys.